This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 17, and our guest today is Cassie Tom Rowland of Tom Farms in Leesburg, Indiana. Cassie's going to talk to us about her family farm, which was started by her grandpa back when it was only 120 acres, and then now is 19,000 acres up in northern Indiana. They grow corn, soybeans, and sweet corn, and her dad is also the UN ambassador for the Food and Agriculture Department. It's a really cool conversation. We're going to talk about how kind of how their farm started, what they do now, how they do it, how they use social media to kind of build followers and build their brand, and also how they handle having to do H2A visas to bring in individuals from South Africa to help with their farm. So it's a really cool conversation. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, Cassie Tom Rowland. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing I'm doing good up here in soggy Indiana. I can imagine. Yeah, so you're you're in Leesburg, Indiana, and you're with Tom Farms. So walk us through how you got your start in agriculture and why you work at Tom Farms. Now it's a family operation. Kind of walk us through your start in agriculture and kind of how the Tom Farms started. Sure. So uh, Tom Farms was started back in 1952 by my grandpa, Everett Tom. Uh, Everett Marie Tom uh, grew up here in Indiana, and um, we actually, you know, started the farm um, in 1952. But we were farmers all all before then. Um, actually, back in 1837, our farm, the Tom family, settled on on um, this ground that we still operate on in Kosciuszko County today. Um, today, um, I always often refer to uh, my grandpa. Um, he's still around. He's 90. My grandma's 88, and my grandpa operates a small cattle herd. Um, so we see him every day, which is super awesome. As you know, a grandchild or great grandchild coming back to the back to the farm. 
and I have five siblings. So um, three of us work back here at the farm. I often say that my grandpa started our farm and my dad grew our farm. So my dad is Kip Tom. A lot of folks might know him or, or recognize that name because he's currently serving as ambassador to the UN for the US Food and Ag Program. So that's pretty exciting. Our family is not a political family, but um, that's um, his kind of path led him down. And so he's living over in Rome. He just got there. He's been, I think this is his fourth week there. So Tom Farms, um, Leesburg, Indiana, we grow corn, soybeans, and we grow seed corn as well for Monsanto, or now, as you know, it is bear. I actually grew up on this family farm and didn't actually see myself coming back to the farm um, when I was, you know, out of high school or, or, or kind of taking my steps through college. But um, I ended up working for an orthopedic company here in Warsaw, which is just south of Leesburg, where our farm is. Orthopedics is very well known uh, around the area. Warsaw is actually orthopedic capital of the world. And so I worked in orthopedics at a place called Biomet, and now it's called Zimmer Biomet. My dad actually just had a job open here at the farm um, to help out with logistics. And so um, he's like, hey, are you interested in this? I think you do really well at it. So I ended up coming back to the farm, uh, running our logistics uh, when we had that. Um, we sold that piece off in 2012, and at that point, I took a, kind of a, a different step here at the farm. So today, I handle um, human resources, all of our land partner relationships, uh, contracts, and, and all of that, um, as well as any sort of events that come along the way. We host um, some some larger events throughout the year. Um, we welcome people into our farm every day. We have quite an open door policy um, for anybody that might want to come and visit us. I had some visitors here today from Nebraska. I had uh, folks here last week from Italy. So um, folks from all over the all over the world come and visit us. I think they find us on social media and think, oh, I should go there. So I take care of those folks, any sort of educational um, opportunity. I, I do that as well. On top of that, I handle our social media, which is like the funnest part of my job. So that's day to day what I work on. Um, my husband and my aunt, and my two brothers work here as well, as well as I have like 26 full time employees. So again, my grandpa started our farm with 120 acres. Um, my dad grew our farm today where we have production on about 19 thousand acres. So it, it sounds like you're a little busy, just just a tad, tad busy at Tom Farms. That's really cool, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we try to do everything in, in-house that we can. That's one thing that um, efficiencies we see, and especially when it comes to seed corn, because there's a lot of processes that happen within the field when you're planting seed. Um, a lot of folks don't know about seed corn, and, and that's okay. Even farmers sometimes are like, wait, what's seed corn? Seed corn is the hybrid that makes your corn for next year. So uh, we grow it uh, for, like I said, and it's a hybrid. It's There's male and female out out there, which is crazy when you think about that, um, that there's male and female corn. And we actually, um, the male pollinates the female. And once the male's pollinated uh, the female corn, the male corn actually gets destroyed, which seems really sad to me, but um, it, it actually gets, uh, it's cut down anyway. So, so that's a little bit about seed corn. You kind of touch base on this. Also in an email you sent me, you, you guys are located between the orthopedic capital of the world and the RV capital of the world, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's it like finding labor up there? And you said you guys are an H-2A program. So what what exactly is yeah. an H-2A program and how do you handle finding labor in an area like that? Yeah, so where we're located is, is directly right in the middle of ortho, the orthopedic capital of the world and the RV capital of the world. And, and what that means for us is that we have to be extremely competitive when it comes to um, hiring and hiring the right people and making sure that they're happy and their benefits are good and all of the things that go along with that. So for us, you know, we really struggle with finding that seasonal employee. Um, if you look at our, if you look within our county's uh, unemployment rate, it's nearly zero. And for those folks, those are the, the people that make up that just very small percentage. It's folks that just don't want to work, probably. However, 
the U.S. has a great program that's called the H-2A visa program. It's actually a visa that one can apply for from other countries and they can actually come to work here in the U.S. So how we got into that is we had a lot of friends across the states that have used this program in the past. We find that there were a lot of uh, South Africans. South Africa is fairly progressive when it comes to farming. So we knew that that might work for us. Um, so they're actually here for 10 months, or I guess a little less than that, about nine months. So they came in March, at, towards the end of March, and they're here through November. They're here during our busiest seasons. On top of those 19,000 acres, we actually have about 90 irrigation pivots. So um, certainly all of that keeps our, our staff really busy. We have four H2As, all great guys, younger guys, here to work, here to just put in a lot of hours. On top of that, we have about 22 other employees um, that are full-time. And it's really it's really difficult to find help. In our last like little hiring spree, I guess you could call it, that we did, we hired a guy from Connecticut, a guy from Ohio, one from Nebraska. So we kind of have them all over the place. Um, but that's what we have to do to find good help. And so, and again, we, we just really have to be competitive, um, offer benefits just like any other business would. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so how long have you guys been doing the H-2A program? Two years? So th yeah. So this is our second year um, of the H-2A program. Have you seen employees return from the first year returning for the second year? Yeah, so it would be our goal to, to continue just to get the same ones back every year. This is our second year, and we brought two back that we had last year. It's really great if you can bring them back because you're not retraining all over again. The one thing we noticed is their, their culture is so much different in South Africa than it is here. Even when you think down to like how our roads are structured, like our infrastructure, it's so different. Um, and just really just working with them to like, get them all to figure it out. And we could we give them all the tools that they could possibly need, but sometimes things still happen. Uh, one of our guys pulled into a Walmart instead of pulling onto a highway and kind of got wrapped up into, you know, a hundred feet of uh, a tractor and, and cultivator and rolling basket behind him. And uh, he was in the Walmart like area <laughs> and, and he should have been on like a highway. Anyway, just like figuring all that out has just taken some time. And that first year, last year when we did that in 2018, um, we really had just to look at all that and be like, okay, we know we're going to have these challenges, but we do think that it's not only helping us to have them here seasonally, but it's also helping them back at home as well in South Africa. Um, for a lot of people, a lot of folks out there don't realize how good we have it here in the U.S., especially when it comes to agriculture. In other countries, it's just not that way, um, especially South Africa. They're in um, a really troubled times there. And so um, hopefully, you know, we keep on bringing these guys back, but we know if we don't, then they've really um, gotten some valuable time here behind a tractor, tractor wheel and just really, um, really worked to improve themselves and helped us out along the way as well. Um, I typically get people every day on our social media feeds. I have probably someone every day reaching out to me from across the world asking, hey, can I come work for you in your H-2A program? I wish we could take them all, but unfortunately there's a lot of rules that go along with getting H-2As. Um, there's lots of hoops to cross, I guess is what I'm saying. Lots of hoops to jump. And um, so. Yeah, I can imagine there's a bunch of hoops and I mean, especially with immigration now. So I bet there's a lot of stuff you got to jump through and that your employees have to jump through. But that's really cool. It seems like they can learn some stuff at your farm. And then once they go back to South Africa, they can kind of put that to use there and kind of help improve that local industry. So that's really cool. So you manage Tom Farm social media. What what what's that been like? Like, how did you start it? Yeah. What's it been like the past couple of years? What, what are some things you've learned kind of along the way? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, we started our social media with, you know, a simple Facebook page, uh, like a business page. And it was really just to tell our story, like the Tom family story and the Tom farm story to educate um, others about just agriculture in general and just to be a positive light. Um, I feel like so much social media is um, misinformation or what have you. So um, that's how we started it. And I just gradually moved into Instagram and Twitter. Um, so and Facebook came first and then um, then we started our Twitter account and then Instagram. Um, Instagram by far has our largest following. I think we have around 33,000 following us, which just seems crazy to me that there's that many people interested in our story. There's been a lot of learning along the way. So a couple things that I really learned in the beginning is, is really just need broad shoulders because some of the people following us are following us just out of just trying to be hurtful, I guess, um, to the American farmer. And when I refer to farmers, I'm referring to everybody because so many people will talk about, you know, GM crops and how bad they are and so on and so forth. And that's technically, that's all we grow is GM crops. If somebody like attacks us or what have you on social media, I always follow up with them, give them correct information, just lead them to ways where they can find better information uh, other than misleading information that's really important to us. Um, and I can also just show day to day what's happening here. I think how we, we really started to, to curve our following and, and get quite a few followers is I would, um, in the beginning, I would like give a hat away, which seems like so crazy, but farmers love free. And a lot of folks that were following us were farmers. So um, so I was like, I would just give away a hat every now and then and just be like, hey, let your friends know to follow us. We're gonna, just gonna talk on our social feeds about the importance of agriculture, uh, the American farmer. We're gonna talk about Tom Farm some too, but um, we'll show you some cool pictures of what our equipment's doing. Sometimes what's not so cool, like a tractor getting stuck or you know something, something not so pretty. It's not always rainbows and unicorns. I say that all the time, but certainly I think people need to see that because it's not always super great information or it's just something maybe funny that happened at the farm. Um, a couple of years ago, I posted a picture, a Volkswagen car that was stolen and it ended up in our irrigation lane and the irrigation, just how they parked it was like right under the tires where they, where they roll. And um, it walked all the way over and across the car and completely destroyed the car. Our irrigation guys found it and they're like, oh, there's a car in the, in the irrigation lane. Like, we don't really know how, what happened. Long story short, it had gotten stolen and um, parked in this irrigation lane and um, had to have the cops come out and take care of the car or whatever. But just those sorts of things, if you can educate people like, hey, you know, don't park in the irrigation lane. It's not safe. It's not safe to park there. But that got a ton of traction on social Again, that's just, you're gaining more followers when you post things like that. It's not, again, it's not always rainbows and unicorns. It's sometimes you got to post the bad with the good. Yeah, that's hilarious. I'll have to go back and look at your Instagram <laughs> to look at that picture of a beetle. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, <laughs> pretty you, every day is different in the lives of a farmer. You never know what's going to happen. Like like you said, you, you'll wake yeah. up one day and you'll have a Volkswagen beetle in your irrigation pond. That's you never, hilarious. You never, you never know. Um, I always say my, my day is 100% never the same. Um, I could be on this podcast with you and in two minutes, I could be out in the field um, helping the guys move or, or what have you. I always consider myself 1% farmer. Uh, that's who I am. And that's, that's what I typically don't, when people think of farmers, they think of somebody driving a tractor, but there's so much that goes behind, goes on behind the scenes um, that, that somebody's got to do um, like take care of insurance claims and things like that. So that's typically where I spend my day. So that's why I always consider myself 1% farmer. 
so you said you guys work with Monsanto, well, which is now now Bayer. So what's that been like? Like a lot of people that aren't in the ag industry, I mean, they give GMOs and Monsanto a lot <laughs> of negative press. So what has been y'all's personal experience working with them? So our relationship uh, with Monsanto and now Bayer um, has always been a great relationship. We've been working with them for, I think, believe 10, 10 years now. Um, before that, we were with another seed company that we grew for, and they could offer us some things that that seed company couldn't. Um, and so that's why that's one of the main reasons we made the switch. But um, I'll tell you that they are incredible people to work with, especially when it comes to new technologies. So they're always in the forefront of looking at what's best for the farmer, what's best for feeding people um, and so on and so forth. That is GM crops for us. Um, we know that you're you're probably likely not going to feed the world on non-GMO or organic or, or what have you. Um, and that's all that, all those things are okay. And, and we agree with all of those, but you're just not going to be able to feed the masses of people that are coming up with, with a non-GMO crop. So um, for us, that relationship has just been tremendous, always willing to listen and help wherever they can uh, for their growers. Um, and, and I would include us in, in those growers. So for us, it's been a great relationship. That's cool. I'm really glad to hear that. So you said your grandpa, your grandpa is 90 and he's still farming? Yeah, so my grandpa, Everett Tom, he um, he is at the farm every day. Um, he pops in. It's not like he's actually driving a tractor. Um, he can, and he spreads his own manure and all of that. He has um, about 50 head of cattle um, that are actually show cattle. So they're cows that um, he breeds himself. He, he does all of that, nearly all of himself. Um, he does his own AI and all of that. Um, so he's at the farm. He pops in once or twice a day. He'll stop in to check on the markets and see what they're ha- what's happening with those. He just he'll come back and talk to talk to my aunt and I. We're in an office together. Um, we have just the most amazing grandparents and parents that are out there, as far as I'm concerned, that have just instilled so much in us and just poured into us. And so that's kind of how we all got to where we are today from our from our my grandparents and my my dad and my aunt's parents. So um, just tremendous opportunity as a grandchild to have your grandparents still around when you're 43. I mean, that's that's a big deal. Uh, so many of my friends and colleagues don't don't have that and can't say that they still have their grandparents and and we're just so blessed to have them I I can't think of the day when when they're not here anymore I don't even want to think about that it just makes me want to choke up just thinking about it but um, we're so blessed to have them that's cool well yeah I'm glad they're still around does he ever get like amazed at how things are right now as opposed to back when he was a kid or back when he was kind of starting out farming Oh, goodness gracious. Grandpa um, talks about this all the time, about just how many things have changed since he was a young boy. So um, he was a twin. And actually, back in those days, he's 90. So back when he was um, before he was even born and soon after, his parents actually tried to give him up for adoption because back then raising twins was expensive. And so um, nobody would take them, which is just crazy to think about nowadays. So lucky that he he wasn't adopted out because who knows where Tom Farms would be today without him. But he talks about all the time, like how he started planting was like with a horse and a plow, you know, it's so different from where we're at today. When we're talking, we have a 50 row, 54 row planter. And so he's always astounded, like with the new technologies that come up uh, that, you know, we're just out here cranking along like we're doing. He started with like 120 acres. Um, So to think about 120 versus today at 19,000, um, certainly um, huge changes over his lifetime. He could he could certainly write a book about that. I just want to guess how long it would take him and even just people back in the day to plant 19,000 acres of corn with a horse. I mean, I can't even imagine um, how long that would take. I, 
I don't think you could ever do it. You would never, yeah. <laughs> you would never stop the whole year long. You'd be planting 24 seven. So uh, it's hard to believe, but you know, there's still people out there that do it that way. We have a, a pretty decent sized uh, Amish community actually telling a tour that came in today from Nebraska that we drove by this field when I was out and about with them. We drove by this field and I'm like, you know, just a couple of years ago, I just happened to be in this area. I was probably taking parts to one of the guys or something. Um, we had our 54 row planter in this field. So it's a DB90, so it's 90 foot long and we're on 20 inch rows, um, which is a little different for people to think about, but we're on 20 inch rows. So our planter is like 54 rows, it's, it's big, right? And um, right beside us in the next field was an Amish guy um, planting corn at the same time with his horse. The colliding of two worlds there, just a hundred years apart is just, it's crazy to see. But, you know, his rows were just as straight as ours. And, you know, he wasn't using GPS. So pretty uh, remarkable to think about the, the changes that have been made over the years. Yeah, that's that's absolutely nuts. And I can imagine about five, ten years or whenever. Um, I've seen a lot of those, um, like the robotic tractors that don't have a cab. They're just driven by GPS. Just one day having a tour out there and seeing one of those tractors and seeing that Amish farmer on the other side of the road still the forest. You're like, look at that. That's crazy. You never know what the future will hold. I mean, I know that they have those autonomous tractors actors out there already. Um, we've seen them at farm shows and things like that. I don't know at what point we'll get to that point. I don't know if they'll be in my lifetime or my kid's lifetime, um, but you never know. Technology is moving just so fast and we just try to embrace every piece of technology that comes our way. You've touched base on, on your agro-tourism. I'm bringing in a bunch of people to kind of see your operation. How long have you been doing that and what are some aha moments that you've kind of seen? Yeah. So we have welcomed visitors to our farm probably since before I was even back at the farm uh, years ago. Um, we, my dad has always had the foresight of like, hey, let's educate people because the educated person um, isn't going to go out and bash farmers or maybe trash talk the seed we're planting or what have you. So it's been really important to us to welcome anybody that steps foot on our farm. Um, I often tell people that, you know, our, our, our doors are open and we try to be as transparent as possible. Um, that just, it only um, encourages them to, to be a better person or have a different insight on something. Um, so it's really important to us. Um, I'll tell you our, our biggest, probably my biggest aha moment um, with welcoming people in our kids of all, of all people, they're so impressionable. So over the course of the year, we'll have in a few different, um, maybe it's an FFA chapter coming through, or um, it's maybe it's second graders. So it's kind of all over the board. Today, my tour was um, some retired farmers from Nebraska. So we're all over the place on age range, but certainly the kids, like, oh my goodness, I always just say if they could just like pet a dog and honk a horn on a tractor, like we're having a good day. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, but, true. that's true. But letting them know, like, just how important the farmer is and that their food comes from us, like the food that they eat comes from us. And so that is just so very important to us. Um, if you think about it this way, and I always talk about this with tours is about 75% of what you see on the grocery store shelf has some sort of corn in it, whether it be cornmeal or corn syrup or what have you. Um, so that is so very important. And most people don't really get that until I say it. And I'm like, they're like in awe, like, what, really? There's that? And I'm like, yeah, that's why corn is just so important. Um, so I think for us like that, that is one thing that's really important. Um, the other thing too, is just, you know, did we talk about ethanol and how, how we're fueling your cars and, and just, again, it all just goes back to educating people and whether they be like farmers that are just coming through, maybe it's the FFA chapter that stops by on their way to national convention. We host that in Indianapolis. Um, so we have a lot of groups that come through during national convention time. 
that just want to come and see the farm. They see us on social media and they want to stop by. We're only a couple hours from there. So it's a nice little stop for them. But certainly um, the education piece of that is really important to us. I can imagine just having little kids on the farm and just having them see the big tractors, the big farm equipment, the vast fields of corn. I bet they're just like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So the field um, just directly across from our office and where our main operation is, is 730 acres. It's a huge field and it's um, it's been seed since I can remember. It's seed on seed on seed and, and we do the appropriate things to make sure that we can continue to do that. Um, but to see like the kids' eyes, if they if they happen to be here on a day that we're doing some operations in that field is just amazing. Um, we also have a grain facility that we actually uh, store all of our corn and beans at, the majority of it. Um, but we also buy and sell grain from other farmers. They're really large bins. So there, we have three 730,000 bushel bins and two 400,000 bins. So roughly we can hold 3.3 um, million bushels of grain. And so um, to see like those, anybody really um, is just amazed about the size of those. I mean, you could see them from the road, obviously, um, when you're driving on one of our populated highways here, um, just to be up close to that amount of metal and be able to maybe climb to the top of the leg and you can actually see the courthouse that's like 15 miles away so it's pretty amazing to see um what kind of impact that has on just the normal person whether again it could be a farmer it could be a a student or, or what have you yeah they can just finally see like a small glimpse of just the scale of it all and i mean just i mean like you guys' farm is just such a small percentage on just American agriculture as a whole, but it's so huge. And you just think, like, yeah. I'm sure those kids are like, or even older people are like, wow, like, there's just, there yeah. just must be so much farmland in the U.S. or just so much that's right. got to go into it. That's really cool. Right. And just just what it looks like for, for a hard day's work for a farmer. Um, and a lot of times when I tell people, if they're stopping by for a tour, I'll be like, hey, you know, just this is just my saying I always have, like, you could come here and there could be nothing going on. And it could be raining. Or you could come here and have everything going on and it'll be really cool. But nonetheless, you'll leave here educated um, with a little better understanding of what farmers do every day. And not just Tom Farms, just American agriculture, American farmers um, as a whole. Um, they work so incredibly hard to provide us with everything that we need. Um, that that's just, it's really important to us that we that we show that in a positive light. That's good. I'm really glad you guys do that. Uh, all right, so last question and I try to ask all of our guests this because it's a really big issue right now. Where do you see the consumer-farmer relationship? Like, what are some issues that you've seen and what are some things that you think consumers can do and also some things that farmers can do to kind of better bridge that gap? Because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So what are your thoughts on that? There, There is an incredible amount of misinformation. And I think if consumers would just have more of an open mind and labeling goes so far with folks that it's it's hard for me to see that um, when I see something that says non-GMO and I'm like the chances of that not having a GMO crop in it is so slim and the parameters that have to go into that um, are so slim. So I think if people just have more of an open mind like consumers in general about where their food comes from and how hard that farmer is working to provide whatever you see on the shelf there, I think that that would go a long way. I think for farmers, you know, I always say we could always do a better job of telling our story. And a lot of farmers want to kind of hold that close to home for whatever reason. Um, it could be that maybe they were attacked in public or something like that. And they they just don't want to talk about that. And that's OK. But I think if um, more of us step up to the plate and really just talk more about growing the food that we all consume or, or you know, the fuel that we're putting in our car or 
the jeans that we put on every day of how how American farmers really embrace technology and we're trying to move forward, but we need everybody to have an open mind. I think that that would go a long way. I think the other thing I need to say about that is, is that, um, you know, not only having an open mind, but really understanding about, you know, where your food does come from. And um, I think one thing farmers can do a little better is maybe opening their doors and saying, okay, I, I might have an issue, but you know, let's bring somebody in that, that can help me with that and so on and so forth. So I think it's really important um, to just embrace that being transparent with others. We're not saying that everybody does everything right and we don't do everything right. We know that full on, um, but just keeping that open mind. And um, if other people would just be more transparent as well, um, I think that would be helpful. If we take, you know, the 2% of farmers and if even 1% of them you know, would be more open to letting people see what they do every day, I think that would make a world of difference. Yeah, totally agree. And I've seen just so many more farmers nowadays just opening up their doors, even on mm -hmm. social media and just kind of posting every day. Yes. Like, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we milk our cows. This is how yeah. we raise them. All this jazz. So absolutely. We use the hashtag today at Tom Farms. And I only use that hashtag when it's actually happening today at Tom Farms. Yeah, that's one thing that we do. Um, we try to post every day. Uh, it doesn't happen every, every day like I would like. Sometimes it's really boring around here. Like today it's raining again. Um, we certainly don't need any more rain. We're not planted yet, um, much like a lot of other farmers around our area. So um, some days they're just you just don't post, but um, I do try to post nearly every day. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard that more and more people that have social media accounts, especially ag ones, I mean, they're trying to bring it directly to the consumer. Mm -hmm. And if, of course, consumers are checking it every single day. So the more you yep. bring it to them every single day, the more they're interested they're going to be, the more they're going to learn. So that's a really good tactic. Uh, well, Cassie, this has been a really cool conversation. Um, if people want to follow you and follow Tom Farms, you guys are on Instagram, Facebook. Where can they go to find you guys? Yeah, so they can, all of our handles are at Tom Farms. So it's just T-O-M-F-A-R-M-S. Um, like I said, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We try to post every day. Myself, I'm a Cassie Tom Roland. So it's Cassie with a K, K-A-S-S-I, Tom, T-O-M, Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D. If you want to see pictures of my kids and whatnot, that's where you would go for that. But certainly Tom Farms, I'll take all the followers I can get to get our message out there uh, about American farmers and American agriculture. Well, there you go. Well, Cassie, thank you very much for being on. We wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks for being on. Hey, everyone. We're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films. Download the app and watch and listen anywhere.